You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 274. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. You may be in a fiery trial or just exiting one, or about to enter one. So join me as we seek God's truth this week to equip us for the trials and suffering that we must endure. Ellie Holcomb's song, Find You Here, reminds us this week that in our darkest places where it seems most likely that God would be absent, we find him there after all. The chorus of the song says, I didn't know I'd find you here in the middle of my deepest fear, but you are drawing near. You are overwhelming me with peace, so I'll lift up my voice and sing. You're going to carry us through everything. But it's the list in the bridge of the song that I find compelling. Here in the middle of the lonely night, here in the middle of the losing fight, you're here in the middle of the deep regret. Here in the healing has happened yet Here in the middle of the desert place Here in the middle when I cannot see your face Here in the middle with your outstretched arms You can see my pain and it breaks your heart And I didn't know I'd find you here In the middle of my deepest fear but you It doesn't surprise me that we are shocked when we discover this deep abiding peace and presence of God in the midst of suffering. We're shocked to find God in these places because we equate suffering with something bad that must be avoided at all cost. And if it's bad, then a loving God must not have anything to do with it, right? This is a big problem in our contemporary Western thought. The kind of thinking God is calling us to to be enter is it makes us foreigners <laughs> you know the the kind of god thinking that we need to have really will make us different but we must be shaped by the truth of god's revelation through his word and not by the prevailing thoughts of the world you see this world has a creed a view of the world that is is not in line with god's word and that's why it is so so important for you to know what god's word says You must meditate on it. You've got to think about it, discuss it with others, and begin to apply it in your own situation. But it is very helpful to begin to identify when your thinking may be off, so to speak, of what God's Word really teaches so that you can allow God's Word to correct your thinking and shape you. So it's going to take a little bit of effort on your part. Um, We're going to dig in a little bit. There's a prevailing worldview that God exists to nurture and sustain us. You can hear it in our prayers. Heal us, free us, protect us, bless us. Now, while God is a healer and a bondage breaker and our protector and the giver of all good things, he does not exist to nurture and protect us and, uh, and sustain us. We exist for his glory and his eternal perspective might just mean that while he absolutely works all things together for our good 
it may take longer than we expect. Or even perhaps our definition of good is not God's definition of good. Now, I've been reading an excellent book called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Timothy Keller. And part one is a fairly thorough academic understanding of how different cultures and religions and time periods have provided a framework for suffering that we don't benefit from in our current modern Western culture. In part two, he discusses what the Bible says about the character of suffering. And in part three, he shares strategies for connecting with God in the midst of suffering. But in part two, it is is where I want to read a quote from Pastor Keller. He shares this conclusion. It says, in earlier times, when suffering occurred, just because we couldn't think within our own mind of good reasons for it, didn't mean there couldn't be any. We were humbler about our ability to understand the world. But by the 18th century, we believed that with our minds and reason, we could eventually understand everything. We became confident in our powers of exhaustive observation. And this conviction changed the way human beings regarded suffering. Now, if you listened to episode 171, you heard me discuss another book, None Like Him, where the author Jen Wilkin writes about all the characteristics of God that belong to him alone. Being all-knowing or omniscient is one of those characters. When you pair the observation that we try to be like God in everything, including being all-knowing, And you think about what Timothy Keller just said in that quote, and you view suffering through that lens, you can see how out of focus our lives become. You see, we are not all-knowing like God. We are not limitless in our knowing. Our knowing has limits. Um, Where is our humility as we view our circumstances? We cannot know all of the details, but we act as if we do. We think we see clearly and judge rightly. We want all all of the facts, and we think we can have them. And then we think we can process them correctly. But not only are we limited in our wisdom and understanding of the facts we do have, uh, we were not designed to have all of the facts to begin with. And as Keller writes, he says, we became confident in our powers of exhaustive observation. In other words, we're convinced of being limitless in our knowing. We think we can be like God. And I pray that we can understand what Jen Wilkin writes when she says, getting older means growing in knowledge, but it also means growing in our awareness of just how little we really know of all there is to know. Now that is an appropriate view. You see, we we need to know that there will always be so much more to know. So what of suffering, as we talk about these big kind of concepts and bring it back down to this idea of suffering, what of this place where we don't expect to find God and yet he's there after all? And and what does God want us to know about all of this? Well, when Ellie Holcomb wrote this song that we're using to jump into scripture this week, she wrote it in a season of her father's cancer diagnosis, and she was drawn to Philippians chapter 4. I will link to her blog post about the story behind the song in the show notes, and you can always find show notes at michellekneesat.com and then forward slash whatever episode I'm on. So this week, it's michellekneesat.com forward slash 173. 
three. And so I'll go ahead and link to that. Sometimes in the show notes, I will just give you a recap of, of some of the scriptures that I've referred to, some of the resources I've referred to, all those links I've kind of taken notes for you. And that's what the show notes are. Uh, now, in like I said, she wanted to, or she drew from Philippians chapter four. That would be a great jumping off place. Uh, in fact, I'm going to go in a little different direction this week because Peter wrote an entire letter to Christians who were going through various trials. So I want to head over to first Peter the, uh, on the podcast today to see what we can discover. Now I'm going to go ahead and share the Bible interaction tool exercises for this week. And I call these bites, B-I-T-E, Bible interaction tool exercises. They're just simple habits that you can incorporate into your daily study of God's word to keep it varied and interesting. And the first Bible interaction tool exercise or the first bite is to read and keep on reading. Now this bite is closely related to my favorite bite of all time, which is reading in context. I always make it a habit, by the way, especially in the shorter letters of the New Testament, to read the entire letter before zeroing in on a specific section or topic like we're going to be doing today. And the reason is it will give you context. This is a letter. You, you need to, to read the whole thing. Uh, the other bite I've just alluded to is to explore a topic. So today we're going to do this within the context of First Peter. Um, we're going to talk about suffering in the context of First Peter, but you could easily expand your search throughout the Bible, or you could compare stories in the New Testament to stories in the Old Testament, things like that. There's a multiple ways to explore a topic. Today we're going to do it within within the confines of this letter. And I, I suppose I used another bite because I made a list in a practical sense um, because I made a list of all of the verses that referenced trials, suffering, or the like in First Peter. So first, I recommend that you read First Peter all the way through. I, I've said it before, but you would never pick up a letter from someone that you admired, respected, or cared about and read one sentence at a time and then put the letter away or even one section at a time. You would read the letter all the way through and then maybe go back and parse the words or apply the instruction or ponder individual thoughts in relation to the whole. And First Peter is only five chapters, so you can do this. This is one of those times where you could sit down and in one sitting read this entire letter from First Peter, uh, from Peter to <clears throat> to the audience that he lists out in the scripture. Now, I hope I described clearly what happened when I made this list because I'm looking at my list here like I have it in front of me and I'm seeing this marvelous pattern that I never would have noticed had I not written it down. So the way I made my list was to put the chapter and verse reference and then a word or a phrase to indicate what was going on in that verse in the way of suffering or trials. For example, one six, I wrote trials out to the uh, to the right. 1-7, I wrote trials. And then one eleven, I wrote Christ's suffering. And then when I continued, I wrote 2-12, false accusations. 2-15, false accusations. 2-20, suffering for good. And then 2-21, Christ suffered. Okay, so I hope you can picture that in your head. Um, <clears throat> the pattern continued though. So as I'm looking at my list, I see we suffer, Christ suffered. We suffer, Christ suffered. And it reminds me of Hebrews 4.15, which tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, um, you know, I have this, this idea that, yes, we suffer, but Christ suffered too. We don't have a high priest that doesn't know what we're going through. 
He does. And of course, we find God in the midst of our sorrow and our suffering because he himself suffered. Again, you, you're in the midst of it and you go, I can't believe he's here. I can't believe I find him here in the midst of this dark place, this suffering. Well, he suffered too. And and how can we say that suffering is useless and bad when Hebrews 2.10 teaches us that God made Christ perfect through his suffering? It says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. So Jesus was made perfect through his suffering. And I wish I had time to take you through everything verse by verse. Actually, what I wish I could do is meet you for coffee to discuss it. Because after you've gone through everything verse by verse, we could chat about it. Because this letter speaks of trials and physical suffering and suffering for good and false accusations and an enemy that is against us. It even addresses the suffering that we bring on ourselves. That's a that's pretty much sums it up, isn't it? <laughs> Doesn't it? You know, we could chat about whatever place of suffering that you might be in or or have just left or uh, could potentially enter soon. Uh, but for the rest of the podcast, I want to focus in on Christ's example for us in our suffering. It comes after a section specifically written to slaves, but I don't think that it is to be applied only to slaves, but to all believers because of the way it's written. We're going to begin in verse 21. It says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. So the, the verse before this even said that God's pleased with us when we endure suffering patiently. There's a joy that comes from the pleasure of God resting on you, isn't there? So what is our example? Jesus. Jesus is our example. Peter even says to follow in his steps, and then he proceeds to give us some examples. So verse 22, it says, he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. Now, I'm not saying that you that you can, quote, never sin, right? So I know we're supposed to follow in his steps, but I'll tell you what, we can sure keep our feet from the paths that lead to sin, can't we? There's many times when we willfully put our feet on the course of this world. We put our feet on a path that we know is going to lead to sin. And I can, I'm here to say that uh, while I don't think that we can ever claim to never sin, we can start to avoid those paths. Uh, we can know that we're placing our foot on the path to gossip. Just stay off the path. We know when we're placing our foot on the path to anger, just stay off the path. We know when we're placing our foot on the path to self-righteousness, just stay off the path. We know when we're placing our foot on the path to drunkenness, just stay off the path. We know when we're placing our foot on the path to lust, just stay off the path. Now, this might mean a change in friends. Uh, It might mean a change in lifestyle, a change in your entertainment choices. This is what we're called to do. This is serious stuff, you see, because God doesn't call us to a suffer-free zone. Quite the contrary. And Peter truly understands that this path, as led by example in Christ, might lead directly to more suffering. In chapter 4, it says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. (laughs) You avoid sin. You keep your feet from the path. And the payment for your wise choices is that you will be slandered. Yes, I'm sorry. But yes, it probably is. So back to chapter two. 
in Christ's example. He never sinned nor ever, de- nor ever deceived anyone. And we know when we're placing our foot on the path to deception, and Jesus never deceived anyone. And so we are to follow in his steps to stay off of those paths. So on to verse 23, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Now, this is not the pattern we want to follow, right? We like the eye for an eye model. (laughs) I want to, when I'm insulted, I want to give them what for. I want to respond in kind. I want to hold resentment and I want them to feel as bad as they've made me feel. But that is not my Savior's example, is it? I am not to retaliate. I am not to threaten revenge. But I'm not to be passive either. I'm not a doormat with no hope. I'm a child of God. So when I follow the example of Christ, I leave my case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. And do you know what, uh, and, 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 Do you know why he always judges fairly? (laughs) Because he is all-knowing and I am not. I can trust him because not only is he just and fair and kind and loving, but he actually has all of the facts. He has limitless clarity. He is not bound by the limits of my understanding, nor is he limited by time the way we are. We want everything to be justified in our lifetime, and sometimes it's not. But don't fret. God is not limited to our lifetimes. Now, verse 24 says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. This Christ, this Messiah, this Savior, he personally carried your sin on his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. What a slap in the face when we're alive to sin and live for our own selfishness. This is the ultimate example of sacrifice. He sacrificed his joy and his health, his reputation, his very life to bring us healing. This is where the bite, by the way, of following cross-reference will come in this week. We're not going to unpack it, but I just have to read it to you. I have to read Isaiah 53. Friend, don't tune out. Uh, Bend your ear to hear of the suffering Savior. Prophesied about so long ago, even Peter said as he began his letter, It says this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So just picture Isaiah, a prophet of the Old Testament, as he wrote these words, this prophecy given to him from God, God who planned all of this since before the foundation of the world, because he loved us so much, he prepared a way. But think of our song while we read. Think of this God who shows up in our suffering. Think deeply and you won't be surprised that you find him here. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. 
He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth unjustly condemned he was led away no one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short in midstream but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people he had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone but he was buried like a criminal he was put in a rich man's grave but it was the lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief yet when his life is made an offering for sin he will have many descendants he will enjoy a long life And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. You can see now, my friend, why you should not be surprised to find God in the midst, in the middle of your deepest fear. He's he's himself has been there before because he is a man of sorrows because it was part of God's good plan to crush him. Isaiah declares all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And Peter says the same thing. He reminds us in verse 25. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Christ is our example. He is our shepherd. And a shepherd guides. He knows the way. Christ knows the way through this suffering of yours, my friend. You find him here because he's been here himself before. Let him guide you. Follow his example. You can trust him because he's not only your shepherd, but the guardian of your soul. God told the prophets in advance of Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. And then Christ suffered, not just for the sake of suffering, but for us. And gives us an example that we may follow in his steps. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time to bring us safely home to God. Because of this, we must arm ourselves with the same attitude Christ had and be ready to suffer too. You see, because our trials make us partners with Christ in his suffering, you're not the only one. Remember, there's an entire family of believers all over the world who are going through the same kind of suffering you are. It may sound strange, but I assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. He has promised that after a little while of suffering, he will restore and support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation for his glory. So what's next? Well, read 1 Peter all the way through. And it may benefit you to read it through several times. Maybe you try different translations. And once you have a good grasp of the letter as a whole, focus in on what the letter says specifically about suffering. You might find it the easiest to go through and make a list of every reference like I did to suffering or trials. 
Um, If you want to follow the example of this podcast, study the example that Christ uh, of Christ that Peter gives in chapter two, then you can follow the cross reference to Isaiah 53. That's what I was reading. It sounded, uh, I, I, as I read it this week, several times, it just brought tears to my eyes, what Christ has done for us. It's, it's just amazing. So spend some time in Isaiah 53. It will really give you some perspective. And then do all this with that corrected worldview that we talked about, that suffering is not to be avoided at all costs. And I think we know that practically it can't be avoided, but that we can endure it humbly because we are not all-knowing and with confidence because God has promised restoration, support, and strength. While you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com, hop on Twitter at michellekneezat, or Instagram at michellekneezat, or on Facebook. My public page is Michelle L. Nizat. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Barbara from North Dakota and Caitlin from Australia. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone tablet desktop or you can print it out and you get an email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time and all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening so head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. As always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. We're also on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can follow us on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Resurrecting by Elevation Worship. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 274. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.